Welcome to By the Ghost Light, where we bring you the theater news and the news from Northwest Ohio, because breaking news, Cassie, the strike has ended. It is all over. Everyone is happy. The billionaires are mad. All is right in the world. What portal to another dimension have you been looking through, Ryan? I thought, Cassie, that the good guys always won and the bad guys always lose. Life's not a musical, Ryan. That sucks. Hi, everyone. I'm Ryan. I'm Cassie. Uh, The strikes are still ongoing. Nothing has happened. People suck. Yep. And that is your strike update. Yep. But we have good news. When one Camelot falls, a Spamalot rises to take its place. Spamalot to Broadway this fall. The Tony-winning musical receives its first Broadway revival beginning performances on Halloween. Uh, I don't know how I feel about this. I love the fact that the spoof of Camelot will be better received than Camelot. <laughs> that's what I'm here for. All right, that's fair. Uh, it is uh, the original project uh, production is from the St. James, directed by Mike Nichols, choreographed by Casey Nicolaw. This production originated earlier this year at the Kennedy Center as part of the Broadway Center series. And that uh, production was headed by James Monroe Iglehart, Michael Yuri, Alex Brightman, and Leslie Rodriguez-Kritzer. Casting is not currently announced. It is assumed that they're going to get as many of these people back as they can, but we will wait and see. Can you tell me some of the actors that were in the original Spamalot cast from 2005, Tony winner for Best Musical? Uh, no, I'm already going to tell you that I can't. Um, Tim Curry. I'm gonna... Tim Curry, okay. David Hyde Pierce. Yeah. Hank Azaria. Sarah Ramirez. Michael McGrath. Christopher Sieber. Steve Rosen. And some dude named Christian Borel. Oh, that guy. Yeah. He's done a couple things, hasn't he? He's done a few. He's done all Just right for himself. Just a few here and there? Yeah, every now yeah, and then Yeah, those sound like up. 2005 names. Yep. 18 years later for a revival. We'll see how this goes. Um, I kind of wanted uh, them to figure out a way to get Philippa Sue in this. <laughs> that would be fun. That'd be great. Get out of Camelot, get into Spamalot. I think that'd be fun. At least fun for me. Maybe not fun for her, but <laughs> I don't know. You got to have a sense of humor about these things, I hope. But we are in the middle of. Uh, announcement season for shows forthcoming in the fall and then also a bunch of shows closing at the same time so uh it's an interesting time the headlines are very diverse across the world um spirit away stage adaptation to play london yeah i feel like we've talked about spirited away on this podcast before it made its world premiere in tokyo in 2022 so i'm sure that is probably when we mentioned it and mm-hmm. it is literally a Miyazaki on stage so great and Fantastic. you know they're gonna do fun things with puppetry exactly so that uh, is coming uh, next April so that'll be a little bit farther out it'll be performed at the London Coliseum from April to June 2024 and we'll see how that goes it's not an original work right but it is taking something very unique and putting it on stage and I, I like that and I'm torn between like 
they can do some really cool things with puppetry Mm -hmm. to bring this to life. And also, like, there are some things from Studio Ghibli movies that I don't really need to see in a live action format. They're horrifying enough when they're animated. Sure are. Now let's turn them into three dimensional and uh, (laughs) see how much we can scar some children. Though if you if you look through the production photos that that are available from the production in Japan, um, the way that they've done the the black shrouded with the white mask character yeah. whose name I don't remember is oh yeah I can't fascinating because it's like being puppeteered by like six people. Huh. However, the way that they do the like giant head of the creepy matron is uh, I don't didn't, didn't need that in my life. Didn't need it. Didn't need to see that. But they figured out how to do it. Yeah, they did. Uh, you know what else they figured out how to put on the stage? Uh, is it the Da Vinci Code adapted from Dan uh, Brown's best-selling mystery novel? Sure is. Uh, Cassie, we talk about books separately, offline, so to speak. Uh, but uh-huh. I love Dan Brown and I love the Da Vinci Code series. It's probably one of my favorites. So I guess I'm going to Maine to see this. I guess you are to see this, yeah. I needed an excuse to go to Maine. I've never been. Well, Maine's beautiful from what I hear. For for a hot second when I saw this, I thought it was a musical, and that was putting all sorts of weird thoughts in my brain. It's not. It's a stage play. I think that's probably better. Probably. Unless. Unless. Unless it is a musical. Could be a musical. Listen, not everything needs to be a musical. But I want to see him figure it out. (laughs) Some things I would argue shouldn't be a musical. Like Lord of the Rings. There's a new Lord Lord of the the Rings Rings musical. Well, a revival of the one that didn't work. The set looks cool. Years ago, there was talk of a musical version of The Book Thief, which is one of my favorite books. That would work. And I think that there are definitely ways that that could work. Unfortunately, the book of said musical was being written by Jodi Picoult. And I don't trust her anywhere near my favorite book. Okay. I don't know whatever happened to that. It was happening down in Australia. So. They kept it down under. (laughs) They have. And I haven't heard a lot of anything about it. But. Put it on the uh, figure this out later list. Yeah. This is its own episode. Whatever happened to the book thief? There, There is a uh, note in my phone. As soon as I heard book thief musical, I was like, okay, I need to get on paper things that I would do if I was adapting that book into a musical. Like how mm-hmm. I would use the mm-hmm. music, things I want to see from like the direction, all that kind of stuff. So I have that note of like, this is what I would do. But that has to actually exist. Right. For you to do it. The Da Vinci Code is happening. Uh, the Lord of the Rings musical revival is happening. I like the production photos look cool. Like I like what they've done, but I I am. Mm, I don't know how I feel about that. Uh, but also opening on Broadway straight from London is Back to the Future. That's true. And that looks real good. It does. I like that they're doing um, these trailers now. And doing all this internet advertising, and it's not strictly, um, hey, this is what's on the stage, 
right? Like it's a combination of mm-hmm. like here's some of the stage stuff, but it's very clearly st- you know staged for this shoot, right? But then their whole trailer video is like outside the theater or the the DeLorean driving around or all these things. Uh, they did have a DeLorean out on the red carpet for opening night, which is kind of nice. That's pretty cool. Uh, we'll see if they can uh, become one of the few musicals to win the Olivier and win the Tony, but uh, that is a future episode. <laughs> Indeed it is. I, I'm cautiously optimistic. I've heard really good things about Back to the Future as a musical. I can't quite envision in my head what it looks like. No idea. No idea how this looks or sounds. But, you know, we'll see some stuff at some point, I'm sure. I'm sure. At some point, we'll we'll get it. We'll start getting some stuff on TikTok, some bootlegs. Um, we'll see how it goes. And, uh, you know, maybe if, maybe if I actually get to New York, I'll do that. You probably will not be getting to New York. You're a little busy. No, I'm a little busy. Little busy with baby. We also have some closures that have been announced. There's, there's the, the limited runs that are coming to an end, which we knew about. And then in addition to those, uh, Grey House and New York, New York mm-hmm. have announced that they will be closing. And New York, New York did not do well at the Tonys. And it sounded like financially they were already not doing well. And that show was expensive to yes. run. So um, that kind of felt like it was just going to just going to happen just going to close wasn't going to really last uh, it's a good idea on to the next one and parade is going away because Michaela Diamond has to go sing some Sondheim so you're trying to get to Maine and it looks like I'm trying to get to Los Angeles what's in Los Angeles because they are mounting Peter Pan Goes Wrong Oof, and I Bradley Whitford is going to guest star and I'm a big fan of Bradley Whitford the best thing that these uh, play that goes wrong guys did in uh, expanding the play that goes wrong verse, the wrong verse, I'm going to call it the wrong verse, and expanding the wrong verse with Peter Pan is writing in a recurring guest spot that leads, needs little to no rehearsal time. That's such a smart thing to do. and like It's so good. I, I love Bradley Whitford deeply. He's an incredibly talented performer. Would love to see him live on stage. This just sounds so good. But I know one person you'd be even more excited to see on stage. And who is that? Patrick Page. Oh, Patrick you're right. Page. You're absolutely right. To perform All the Devils Are Here, How Shakespeare Invented the Villain off Broadway. <sighs> What? That sounds amazing. You haven't seen you haven't heard about this? Okay. No. I'm gonna read this whole thing. Please do. Tony nominee Patrick Page will return to the New York stage in All the Devils Are Here, How Shakespeare Invented the Villain, a new piece created and in, and performed by Page, based on the villains of William Shakespeare, directed by Simon Godwin. This show will have a 14-week limited run off-Broadway at the DR2 Theater. Performances beginning September 29th, ahead of an October 16th opening. Why am I having a baby, Ryan? Uh, I don't know. Uh, maternal <laughs> duty. Uh, societal expectations. 
Uh, Shakespeare didn't just create some of literature's greatest bad guys. He invented the very concept of the villain, said Page. Now I get to play the role of detective, uncovering the evolution of Shakespeare's thinking over the course of his two-decade career and exposing how his work continues to, continues to shape the world around us. It has been life-changing for me to inhabit all these personalities, dozens of them, from Richard III to Macbeth, and to work with Simon Godwin, one of the world's foremost classical directors, sure is, to bring this production to a live audience. Is this uh, like this, a one-man show? I believe so. It's just um, him up doing Shakespeare villainy? This was originally presented on film through the Shakespeare Theater Company in 2021. So this was his COVID project. Oh, Patrick Page, you god. Yes. So I'm excited. Yeah. Pro shot, pro shot, pro shot. Off-Broadway pro shot. Give it to us. Please, you've done it before, you can it. do it again. Um it's yeah. Also, side note, how is Patrick Page not a Tony winner? Like how uh, is he t- just a Tony nominee? How is he not a Tony, Tony winner? Tony nominee. What was he nominated for? I don't know. Hades Town. Hades Town. That makes sense. Yeah. So he his other credits include uh, uh, additional selected Broadway credits, is how this article puts it. <laughs> include Saint Joan, Spring Awakening, Casa Valentina, A Time to Kill, Cyrano, Spider Man, Turn Off the Dark, The Lion King, among others. He was also if... recently seen as the villain Octavius Kratt. On Schmigadoon season uh-huh. two, leaning so hard into that villain deep voice. Uh, but we know him best, obviously, from the second greatest Christmas film of all time, <laughs> Spirited. Spirited, correct. Um, correct. But- we are we are getting dangerously close to rewatch territory. <laughs> oh, I'm barely gonna wait for Christmas season. Oh like, yeah, the, I'm excited. Um. But seriously, if you have not watched, you can find it on YouTube. If you have not watched the La Jolla Playhouse um, Hunchback of Notre Dame with Patrick Page as Judge Frollo Mm -hmm. and Michael Arden as Quasimodo, like, go carve out two-ish hours and watch it because it's It's stunning. Incredible. They were both, that production would have won so many awards. And we yeah. still have never gotten like a final, Robbed. final hunchback. It's Robbed. insane. Absolutely insane. But yeah, Patrick Page back to New York. Not Broadway, but off Broadway. I have one more sentence I need to utter. Please do. Star Trek. Okay. To drop first ever musical episode. I have heard rumors about this. I can't believe they've never done it. There's been a lot of Star Trek. There's been there's been singing in Star Trek. I want to be very clear. On I am not anywhere close to caught up on Star Trek. Star Trek is not really my thing. I'm mostly aware fair, of it. There's a lot. There's so, a lot of it. There's a lot of it. Um, I'm a Voyager girl. That's what I grew up watching because that's what was on sure. TV for my parents sure. to be watching while I was in like middle school and high school. And. Um, Robert Picardo's character in Voyager was an opera enthusiast, so there was a, quite a bit of singing in Voyager. Oh, okay. That's good. That's um, good. I wouldn't call any of the episodes, like, musicals, but, like, there were some operatic performances going on. And 
Well, this episode is slated to drop uh, tomorrow, uh, August 3rd, so it'll be out by the time this episode goes live. So in the Paramount Plus series Star Trek Strange New Worlds, it drops the episode entitled Subspace Rhapsody, the first ever musical-themed episode in Star Trek franchise history. The episode will feature how many original songs? Five. Ten. Gee willikers! Plus a subspace rhapsody feature of the series main title, music and lyrics by Letters to Cleo's Kay Hanley and Tom Pohl's choreography by Roberto Campanella. Um, This is just a typical one hour long episode. Uh, It is described as follows. An accident with an experimental quantum probability field causes everyone on the USS Enterprise to break uncontrollably into song. But the real danger is that the field is expanding and beginning to impact other ships, allies, and enemies alike. Delightful. Delightful. At it just makes point, me want to watch the Buffy episode. At what point do we go too far, Ryan? Uh, I think we've gone full circle. At we've what come point all the way back do around. musical episodes go too far? I say fully wanting a Stranger Things musical episode. They could do it. Because everybody in that cast has been on Broadway. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. I don't know if I rhapsodized about this on the podcast or not. I don't know how the timing worked out, but we finally got No One's Gonna Harm You. Still don't sure have the did. Sweeney soundtrack, but now I have No One's Gonna Harm You. I have listened to this song so many times. Gaten's voice is so Ma- good. It's majestic. Oh my god. I um like my knees buckled the first time I heard him do that belt and then that flip into the head voice at the very last line. Like Crushed it. My knees buckled, Ryan. I want to know how many times he sang that into a microphone and which take they use. Yeah. Cause cause a lot of this feels that's the th- that's the thing with cast recordings like this. Is that these guys are they're all doing it day in and day out, right? They've been working on it for weeks and weeks and weeks. So they probably only need so many takes. Yeah. Right. And you don't want to overdo it because like they, you know, they're in the studio at eight AM doing this because they have a show it to. So it's it's really interesting. It's a lot of work for them to get it all done. But like some of these things you're like, how many times does Josh Groban actually need to do the prologue into a microphone? Like I'm I'm pretty sure we got it. Right. You know? It can only get it's not, it's not like it's gonna get better because it's already so good. Man, yeah, this so Sweeney I got, soundtrack! I got all my hopes and dreams of listening to the song on repeat. I do want the whole soundtrack, please. Like, yes, give it to me. This piecemeal stuff is terrible. Like, it's terrible. Yeah. Somebody somewhere thought they had a brilliant idea and it's not working. But anyway, that's part of the reason why I want a Stranger Things musical episode. Now, we, we've we gotten Gaten singing on Stranger Things. This is true. Opposite another Broadway kid. Gabriella Pizzolo. Pizzolo. Mm-hmm. However you say her last name. She was in Fun Home. I think she was in Matilda. Yeah. I think she sang Ring of Keys, right? Yes. Caleb McLaughlin's been on Broadway. Sadie Sink's been on Broadway. Finn Wolfhard's in a band. This just reminds me of, did you, um, the CW Flash and Arrow and shows, did you ever watch those? I, I know what you're talking about, and I have seen that episode. 
because there is a there's a crossover episode of Flash and Supergirl and Arrow and a couple of people in there because somebody went, "Hey guys, we got a lot of Broadway folks hanging around. What if we put them all together and make Darren Chris the bad guy?" We got Darren Chris. We got well, he, Darren Chris was brought in for that episode, but it's yeah. like we got Jeremy Jordan, we got Victor Garber, we got Jesse yep. L. Martin. Yep. It's Grant Gustin. Grant Gustin. Right? Melissa, however you say her last name. Ben, Benoit? Benoist? I don't Benoist. know. Benoist. Yeah. Um, got like all these. All of these people can sing. Yeah. They've either been on Broadway or they were in Glee. Yes. Two equal things. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, say what you want about Glee, and I can say I will say, say many things about Glee. I'm sure you will. They got solid voices. Everyone on that show did sing yes yes uh, except but... mr shu who rapped he sang sometimes too one and then you know matthew morrison and neil patrick harris uh duetted uh dream on yes i right. watched and that I was, because i my god i yeah. watched the first season of glee 90 mm-hmm. percent of it yep I feel like we've uh, we've covered this territory before, and this is our age gap because I was right in that sweet spot, and I watched Glee religiously from start to finish, and most of it was not great. The first season, and I will defend it with till my dying day. <laughs> the first episode dropped the first summer that I did not go home in college. Gotcha. So, like, the first summer that I stayed in BG. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember hearing about the show and being like, oh, this sounds great. And watching the pilot sitting in the apartment I was subleasing for the summer. And enjoying the pilot a lot. And then I watched up until the finale of season one. And for some reason, I looked at the finale and went, I don't really need to watch this anymore. <laughs> And that's you where got I stopped. It they did not get better. Yeah. It did not get much better. It had it's had some incredible moments. It had some it had more terrible moments. It had a lot of cringy. And then you would get just that magical moment in the episode where somebody would sing this one song and then you go, Oh my god, they're so good. Oh, this works so well. Uh and then you're kinda hooked. It it kind of felt a lot like playing golf because you go and you play golf and you're just terrible for so long and you might be drunk and maybe you're with friends or maybe you're not and you're having a good time or maybe it's a terrible time and you can't hit the ball straight but then you have that one hole where everything just works and you go man I can't wait to come back to this next week and that's, that's glee the best description of a TV show I think I've ever heard It's that's glee anybody give happy to do it uh, but yes, a bunch of those Glee folks went into that musical episode crossover of Supergirl and the Flash, which really just has Jesse L. Martin and Victor Garber singing "More I Cannot Wish You." More, yeah, which is phenomenal. Yeah. And John Barrowman is there, and he sings. John too. Barrowman's there, yep. Because why not? Sings and dances. Yeah, they just made this whole thing. They were like, "Yeah, we're just going to do this because we can." Everybody's here because we can. I we're enjoy seeing how. Um, these television shows that decide to do a musical episode justify it in world. It's very difficult. It's like, okay, we need a reason why we're all of a sudden a musical. And sometimes their reasoning works. 
And sometimes it doesn't. Like the Buffy episode worked. The the musical episode of mm-hmm. Buffy, Once More with Feeling, is incredible. Uh, should not have worked. Did work. This Flash episode isn't great. Like they're cro- I think it's also two episodes, technically. It's like a crossover. So it's like one Supergirl, one Flash. But... It's it like is, a dream sequence, though. Yeah, like they get long, like Flash is sick and Singing in the Rain is his sick musical or whatever, like sick movie yeah. to watch. And then they all get sucked into a dream. He, by... yeah, those two are sucked into a dream. And in the dream world, everybody is singing in the real world. They're not. They're not. Right? Everybody, yeah. They're, but they're all trying to solve their problems. Yeah. And Darren Chris is the bad guy, but not really the bad guy. Just trying to get them more in touch with their emotions by yes, singing. Exactly. It's very strange. Oh, and there's a star kid in that too, because Cisco is a Cisco's a star kid. Star kid. Star kid popped up on my TikTok today. It was uh, Holy Musical Batman just popped up and went. Uh-huh. I guess I guess this is my next five minutes. This is great. Absolutely. Uh, speaking of Holy Musical Batman. And other shows that I would really like to do at some point in my life. Yes. I have come full circle now. We've been doing this podcast for a year, Cassie. We have. We have. It's been a year. And I believe in the first couple episodes of this, a year ago, I talked about shows that I wanted to do and got to do and how show selection worked for me at uh, Gateway Middle School doing juniors there. And we have come full circle. And I am in the middle of show selections time again. That's right. You are. The way it works is we always do a junior musical um, at the middle school that I work for uh, just to do the show. Um, And uh, friends of the show, Christina and Tim, are uh, my assistants for it. And we get to do a a whole show with just uh, one local middle school. So um, I've done, oh no, how many have I done? 10? I've done 10. So this will be 11. And we pick three junior scripts to peruse, and uh, we read them, we listen to them, and then we talk about it, and we pick one, and we go from there. And I don't know, have I told you what three perusal scripts I got this year, Cassie? You have mentioned Mean Girls. Yep. And that is the one that I remember. I think you've told me the other two, um, (laughs) but I don't remember them. I do remember Mean Girls. Pregnancy brain is fine. Yeah. Um, So Mean Girls Junior is a thing uh we're gonna talk about that frozen junior okay yes um and guys and dolls junior um i've I've already done guys and dolls junior um and i would gladly do it again it was fun and it's it's always fun to do the golden age shows with students who want to know they just want to learn about theater and musicals Mm -hmm. um it's like here's here's one that you know there's a lot of history to it and you know some of them really get roped into it and it's fun um probably won't do that one again but it was it kind of the hey we we need to have one just in case um because frozen junior uh we could do but there's puppets and there's costumes and there's changes and there's a lot of things that i don't know uh how much time uh my costumer (laughs) is gonna have on her hands so that's uh yeah that does seem like the most tech heavy of the three options sure does yeah so uh and then mean girls jr is 
good. They somehow managed to keep the messaging and remove just enough content that I would feel okay putting it on a middle school stage. Okay. So, like, there's a whole song, uh, like, called Sexy. Obviously, you got to cut that song. Yeah. Uh, and they did, and they figured out how to do it. There's also a whole song that ends in, that's, a, like, part of the, the party where everyone gets drunk, and there's a weird lap dance bit to it, and they had to cut a lot of things and change some things there. Like, that all makes sense. And then there's this whole other song, part of a song that uh, the guy. The guy. Yeah. Damien. Damien, thank you. Damien sings social social media ethics. That's like this five or six minute long thing, and he tells stories about terrible things he did in stalking people on social media and all these things. And it's like this really, like kind of weird thing. Doesn't quite fit, but really, really has a point. Yeah, they had to cut most of that. What about the song that's all about raising your middle finger? Uh, that song is still firmly in there. Awesome! It's my favorite song from the show. It's a great song. And it's also, I mean, it's the it's the turning point of the show. Yeah. So they have to keep it in there. They cut it down a bit, and they change it from most of a solo song to including the chorus a bit more. Um, they did change the the line from raise your right finger to raise your right hand now. Okay. But there is no, um, there is no uh, stage direction there, you know, but I, I know what should be done. Right, yes. Right, yes. I will have a 13-year-old flip off the entire audience. 100%. Absolutely. It's the whole point. It's the whole point. It's, Jan- it's Janice. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. the thing that they uh, they were able to keep a lot of the lines that you recognize from the movie somewhere in the script. Like, um, they keep all the fetch stuff, right? They keep the burn book. Mm-hmm. They t- do change the line away from uh, Fugly Slut to... I think they changed it to Ugly Cow. Okay. But they're 12. Yeah. You know, like, um, it's it's interesting. Um, the line that they did cut um, that I don't like that they cut, but I, I understand the logic to it, like how you got to this point. They cut the line um, when uh, uh, they, they don't ever say uh, he's too gay to function. About Damien. Okay, yeah. Because that's a joke that Janice delivers at the beginning, and then Katie accidentally repeats it, and then it ends up in the burn book, and it's a whole thing. Yes. They cut it. They cut that through line, and by doing so, Damien is then never explicitly gay. He could just be flamboyant, depending on what you needed to do or how you needed to present this show. Which... I can understand the thought process behind but I will be like leaning it. I will be leaning fully into the oh, gayness. Yes. Absolutely. 100% if we do this show. But um yeah, so they but they kept a lot of the stuff in there. There's still a lot of really good messages. Um you still have to have uh, a you still have to have a Regina George who can belt like Right. It's that has to happen. You know, she's still going to sing Watch the World Burn. Like, that's in there. They don't really stray away from focusing on the high school issues. It really does feel like a show with good messaging, good good things to say and good lessons to learn. Um, I was concerned about having to defend it to 
principal or school staff or mm -hmm. um, parents. But um, I ran into the principal the day that I picked up all the scripts and we were talking for a bit and I showed her this, showed her the script and said we were considering it and she was completely on board. That's great. So that felt good. So, I will have to have her read it first. Uh-huh. Um, so we're def we're leaning that way, but um, because I have I have a couple of girls that I know could sing these parts and we could do it. Um, I was more worried about content, honestly, and I think it's gonna work. So more to come on that, but Because that is one aspect of the job that you do that's different from the directing jobs that I do, which mm -hmm. is you're doing this for a school, so you are working under many more constraints than I am. Correct. When yes. you have to choose your shows. Yes. And so that puts kind of a different spin on your selection process versus my selection process. Sure does. It's it's funny how it works. Like, it, it people always say like what's your dream show or what would be the one you want to do the most and everything i'm like i can't think that way like yeah sure there's a couple shows i'd like yeah would i absolutely love to do that sure that sounds great but that's not really how it works you don't yeah. usually get to just pick anything but those constraints you know kind of at you know eliminate options and give you a starting point i think so that that is helpful yeah, I think if you know going in, like, this is what I'm working within, that helps. Yeah. I know every year I'm going to pick something off of the list of junior musicals. And okay, then if great. you if you pick one of the more controversial junior musicals that still has some content, you have to get that approved. It has to go through. Yeah. I'm not going to blindside the principal with it because I need them right. to back me. And, like... I also have to get approval. I can't just do whatever I want. I oh, have for to sure. take for my sure. choice, you know, to the board. But I've worked with the board and I've worked with this group for so long now that I have mm -hmm. a lot of trust. And so for the most part, I very rarely get pushback on yeah. on what I'm pitching. I also have not pitched anything super controversial i think probably my most controversial show was 13 mm -hmm. um, but you had a lot of good reasons for it but i had a lot of and good you had reasons the right cast to do that show i had the kids to do that show when you can really say like it's kind of an hour and everything when you can really back that up yeah you know, more people get on board it feels more special which is kind of how i feel about mean girls honestly right this second because like I mean, and, and we've also talked about pre-casting, but mm -hmm. you have, for some of these shows, you have to kind of know if you have the talent sitting there. And I, like, I've got, I've probably got two people that could play Katie. I've got one that could play Regina that I just immediately know. I've got one who could just play a great Janice. Uh, so I think we're going to be good. And I mean, okay, to me, that is not pre-casting. And I recognize that... This can be a kind of hot button issue. And I think it's important to like define what you're talking about when you say precasting. Because for me, sure. knowing that you have the people to do a show, that's not precasting. Um, I have, I believe, on this podcast touched just very briefly on my 
absolutely insane high school drama department. I believe you have. Uh, would you like to bring it up again? I would. Um, my freshman year, we did Anything Goes Anything as our goes. musical. Sure. You had the Chinese people for it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. My freshman year in the fall, we did a Neil Simon play called Fools that had like 10 roles. And Sounds I auditioned great. and mm-hmm. I got a role as a freshman, which was practically unheard of. I didn't get the part because of any inherent talent of my own. I got the part because my older brother was in the program and the director knew my dad. And she said, oh, well, if you're from that family, you can do this. But because of that, she was trying to be fair in the spring musical. And so instead of getting cast in the musical, I was cast, quote unquote, as student director. Ah. However, mm-hmm. I ended up playing Mrs. Harcourt in Anything Goes, which is a fairly substantial part. Sure is, actually, yeah. Because she cast someone as Mrs. Harcourt who had not auditioned for the show. That's okay. That's not how that goes. The cast list came out. This role was given to a senior who had not shown up at auditions and who had to go to our director and say, hey, I didn't audition because I'm out of town during the (laughs) performance weekend. I didn't audition because I can't do the show. Oops. And so my director looked around and went, "Okay, we'll stick Cassie there then. There you go. Way to back into a role. Uh, Thank you. There, there was slightly, there were some other factors at play. A different senior was going to go into that part initially, and I was going to go into a smaller part that she had. Um, but then there was somebody else who had to leave the cast for health reasons, and my brother got moved into a different part. And if she'd gone with the first switcheroo, my brother and I would have been playing romantically opposite each other. Not a good look, especially and for high school. Even my director... This is one of the points I bring up against High School Musical all the time. Even my horrible director said, "Mm, no. (laughs) But that that to me is the definition of precasting. Is my experience from high school with this show where this girl literally did not come to auditions. She did not fill out a form. She did not audition. She did the right thing because she knew she couldn't do it. And she got a secondary lead in the show. That's so bad. Because my director had already, she already knew who was going to play every, every part. Sure and did. my senior year, when she was picking the spring show for my senior year, she held me back after English class to ask my opinion on the oh, shows. I, th- I think I remember this she story. Was yeah, you got the script to read. Yes, yeah. The, this is the second half of that, which is like, well, here are the three that I'm thinking about for this show. And one of them was Miracle Worker. And she literally says to me as I'm standing in her office, she's like, well, you'd be Annie, of course, if we did the Miracle Worker. And I'm like, you can't just say that. You, that's, you can't. <laughs> There's a way this is supposed to work. Apparently not. And it's like, I'm uncomfortable with the fact that I benefit from this. And I'm not saying 
she wasn't right. And and that sounds very like braggy, but this was a very small high school and a very small mm-hmm. theater department. And most of these kids never did a single show outside of what we did in the high school. Sure. Um, just because that wasn't the focus at this particular high school. And so I was easily, my brothers and I were easily the most experienced performers sure. in that school. Um, so it's like, it's not that she was wrong, but it's like, give, you're still supposed to give earn people it. You're the still chance to, do to it. surprise yeah. you. Right. Yeah. So it's, which is fun for me because for this, I, I only have sixth, seventh, and eighth graders. So that means a third of my cast is new every single year basically and it's and that's that third of the cast that i've never seen them do anything before and then i always get a couple of seventh and eighth graders that haven't auditioned for me before or maybe they're new to the district or whatever so every year i have you know probably 10 or 15 brand new students to me that i I don't know who's going to walk in but it's good to know hey i know i have you know three really strong you know alto females or or conversely, hey, I know this is a year I actually can count on these three dudes to sing. Yeah. Maybe we can do this other show. And so, like, you can't choose a show in a vacuum. You have to know that you have options to fill those parts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I did Godspell a few years ago. If I'd done Godspell not knowing that I had somebody who could sing Jesus mm-hmm. or sing Judas, that would have been a horrible choice for me to make right right um we did little women this past fall if i hadn't known going into that that i had the guys to fill little women yeah you can't do it that would have been a horrible decision so you do have to look at okay i have this person who could play this part i have multiple people who could play each of these roles Mm -hmm. before you say yes i'm i'm committed to doing that and that to me is not precasting it's not really precasting. I think it's as because as long as it's with the grain of salt of knowing things will change or shift or you know mm-hmm. somebody might not show up or um, in my in my case somebody might have moved out of district like that happens or they go to a private school or they you know these things happen. Um, but just knowing I have enough of an idea because um, I haven't yet gotten caught totally in the trap of oops i thought i had all these voices and i don't um but it would be very very easy to come close yeah very very easy especially especially in a public middle school where it's like you get what you get yeah and i mean i'm playing with fire a little bit with my upcoming show because i'm not a hundred percent sure i have a matilda but it's mostly because i haven't heard a lot of these younger kids sing Sing and sing that much yeah. and that well. I definitely have girls that age who can act the part. Like one hundred percent, I know that. But yeah, I have haven't to carry heard a lot of that show musically. Yeah, I haven't heard a lot of those younger kids sing, and I'm just kind of keeping my fingers crossed that if we say we're doing Matilda, I'm going to get young singers coming out of the woodwork. Yeah, you should. So, especially since you're doing the full thing. Yeah. I did want to say one more thing about the perusal process for this because. Because I, one of the hardest things about picking shows is getting the scripts to read. I think I agree. Uh, getting getting the scripts to read quickly or easily, or um, 
you know, with, and then if it's musicals, like with cast recordings, with the music, with the whatever, like that's one of the hardest things to do. And for that, I will praise MTI for it because you get to, um, so you have to get, you know, credential. So as a public school, you had to like have the principal sign up and say, yes, we're public school. Um, but because we are, um, perusals are free for us. We get to pick three perusals, um, and um, it used to be that it was like three perusals. They would send us the scripts, and they would also send us the CDs, and it was like 40 bucks. You get three of them. You get the, the music for them because they're all juniors, so they're all pre-recorded. So you have it all, and you can listen to it. You can read through it. It's all great. What they have done since then is they have taken all of that and digitized it. So now you can get your three perusals. Uh, delivered online the second you submit for them you don't have to wait for shipping as well as getting the all of the music digital the second you sign up for these and it costs you nothing that's fantastic it's really great i do pay the extra like 20 bucks to get the hard copy script shipped to me because i i want to i want the hard copy mm-hmm. but like you can sit down and and fill this out and get perusal scripts in your email within like 20 minutes. Yeah. For and that's, free. that's one of the things I'm struggling with, with um, kindergarten with our spring show, because all I really need to know I learned in kinder- kindergarten is a play with music mm-hmm. and you get to choose how much music you want to have in your production. There's about five or six of the little scenes that can be done as songs but whereas I can go buy a copy of the script and have it sent to my house and own it, mm-hmm. you cannot do that with the music. The only way to get the music, the only way to get demos of the music, and the only way to get sheet music is to purchase the rights for the show. Mm. Which makes yeah. planning and prepping for it tricky because I know the two songs that we did last time we did it. Yeah. But I didn't look at the other ones. And part of me wants to add a little bit more of the musical option in. But I don't know if sure. I like the songs. I don't know if my kids will be able to sing the songs. Right. And I'm not going to be able to make that decision until we're able to get rights. Which we won't do until we know where we're performing, which we don't know yet. Because we don't have a theater. Have your own space. Yeah. So yeah. there's a whole lot of other considerations for that yeah that's not great you gotta it's gotta get figured out but it's not great and this is not the kind of show where it's like oh yeah i'll just go listen to a soundtrack somewhere because right doesn't exist it's not it's not matilda it's not matilda yeah matilda you can just do that but it is great that that i will say this for the mti junior process they do make it simple and straightforward Mm -hmm. for people who maybe don't have experience with this to get a sense of what they're getting themselves into. I think that's the nicest thing you've ever said about junior musicals. Probably. I try to be fair. You try to be fair. And it's, it's you know, it's got goods and, goods and bads, pros and cons. Yeah. Most things do. Thanks for coming with us on this episode. Um, we are part of the Ghostlight Media Network. And you can find us at ghostlightmedia.net. And uh, check us out. We got a Patreon. And it's how this show and others like it exist. If you are on the Patreon, we did a High School Musical, the musical, the series, episode one, uh, watch along, which was a blast. And you guys should watch this along with us. And we may or may not wait. 
our next Patreon episode to do that again. We'll see what happens over maternity leave. Yeah, we make no promises. But even if we did accidentally stumble into maybe watching it on our own, I would be fine with watching these episodes again, I'm sure. Exactly. Uh, We have probably about one more episode of this before we take a brief hiatus because I'm going to go have a baby. Willingly. What? Willingly. Willingly, yeah. I've chosen this. Absolutely. I've chosen this at every step of the journey. (laughs) Um, But I'm going to go do that and probably for like the first, you know, month of his life, I'm not going to feel like recording a podcast. Or you might really feel like you want or to. Or I might really need to. Else. We'll yeah. see. Like at we'll this see. point, we're not yeah. sure how long the hiatus will last. It'll depend on a yeah. variety of different factors. But yeah. we are gonna do everything in our power to get one more episode out. Again, that's very dependent on my unborn yeah. child <laughs> and yeah. the decisions Cassie that he makes about his life. Yeah. Um, but hopefully, we've got one more episode for you in two weeks, and then we'll take a brief break but we will be back before the end of the year promise yes we absolutely will because we have so much to cover and talk about so thank you for coming along with us my name's ryan my name's cassie and join us next time by the ghost light This has been a Ghostlight Media production.